Evolution Revolution, a discussion on the changing shape of us. This podcast series has grown out of some articles I've written, which you can find in the show notes. Lifeline Church is undergoing a transition. This is a critical stage for those who have grown up in Lifeline or joined along the journey to bring their unique contribution to the table. Because those that have led for the last 40 years won't be leading for the next 40. It makes me think about the book of Deuteronomy, which means second law. The book repeats laws that were given to Israel in the previous books, but in many cases there were subtle differences. The first law was given to the generation who left Egypt and would need to follow the law as they lived and died in the wilderness. The second law was given to the next generation who would soon cross the Jordan and would need to follow the law as they entered and settled in the land. It was like a guidebook for the continuation of the journey. For Lifeline Church members, I hope this podcast, along with my articles, could become our guidebook for continuing the journey. Just like the children of Israel, the calling and the pilgrimage remains the same, but the scenery is changing from wilderness to promised land. It doesn't matter what stage you have joined the journey. We need the unique contribution of each of us in shaping who we will become. Whether you're a part of Lifeline Church or not, I hope you will find these podcasts provoking and helpful in your own journey. Okay, great. Well, here we are. Myself, Nick. Ella, say hello. Hey. And we've got Jamie Singleton. Hello. Okay, cool. So this idea to do a podcast came about, I think it was from a conversation from you two, correct? Yeah. Okay. And Jamie was sharing some thoughts with Ella, was Wait, I think you were asking me what I was doing at that point in the day. Yeah. And I said, I'm trying to write down oh, some yeah. thoughts, but I don't know what to do with them. And you said... You should oh. do a podcast. Yeah. So here we are. Um, and Jamie, yeah, so you've been writing down thoughts that have kind of been developing some of these over the past few years. Um, and they've developed themselves at this stage into three articles that you've written. Uh, so depending on how this goes, we might do three podcasts for each article or articles might um, maybe even need to be broken down into that. But we're just going to give you a chance kind of hear from you and we'll maybe stop and question at points where if ever we get confused, I guess is probably or just if we want something to expand on. So your first article that you wrote was called It All Starts With A Glimpse. Um if possible, can you maybe, how would you, well, what made you want to write that? Why did you call it, it all starts with a glimpse, and what were you hope, hoping to kind of, yeah? Um, I think it's trying to, with, with all these articles, I'm trying to pull together a number of threads of journey that I've been on, you've been involved in a, a lot of that stuff, and I thought it would be helpful if it was brought together in, in one place. Mm. And a lot of the stuff that is on my mind at the moment really tracks back to this idea of it starts with a glimpse. Mm. And um, really the, the journey has started, I've been involved in leadership for a while and I really feel that my call to serve God is expressed by my call to serve the particular leadership that I'm part of. And that's particularly John Singleton. So I'm saying to him, what is it on your heart so that we can be part of the application of that. And so he's consistently said, I want to share the values that God's 
given me over these years. And it was in a conversation when someone said to said at that point, but what we've got to remember, John, is that your revelation of those values have come through an encounter, through an experience with God. Mm. And I started thinking, oh man, because we could easily try and teach the values as if they're procedures and processes rather than lead everyone to get that glimpse of who he is because when you see him you begin to desire him and you are begin you begin to be transformed into his likeness mm. and then the outworking of the expression of those things becomes more natural becomes more creative um, and so my question is what happens when we see God and how do we respond to that and what what is the partnership that we have to work in with God to replicate who he is in our lives so you're speaking about catching a sight of who God is and then you're speaking about specific values that have developed over um, a long time as your dad has led the church and and followed God in what he felt as God's given him to do so if you, if you catch a sight of God and you and you see who he is that affects everything how we act how we act towards each other what we do with our lives how do values not become what's the word like boxing <laughs> do you know what I mean how, how do the values not become too specific yeah I think I mean, I've been, been thinking about this because I think about my own experiences of God. I wouldn't say, oh, that one experience of the presence of God, that's where I got that one value from. Mm. It, it doesn't work as isolated as that. Mm. But there are times where I've experienced the love of God that has rubbed off on me in that experience. And I've come away from that experience realizing that as I'm loved and enjoying being loved by God, mm. it has made me more sensitive, more um, more interested in other people. Mm. And so that value has worked out, not because I know what I should be doing, but because there is something that has been put inside that is finding its way out. Okay. Cool. So you start this article with the grand plan. Could you sum that up for us? What do you what, what do you mean by the grand plan? Yeah. So when we we look in the Bible and see what was God's grand plan that He was always up to, um, right from the creation, and a lot of this is influenced by kind of John Piper's thoughts on on God and His glory that right from the beginning, God's desire was to fill the earth with his glory and trying to work out, okay, so glory, it's a very Christian term. We mm. don't tend to use that on a daily basis. So the definition that, that I've found uh, most, uh, found is clearest is putting God's attributes on display. Mm. So God, God is glorified when we show what he's like. And so God's original plan was to create mankind in his image mm. and tell them to multiply and fill the whole earth. And then when you're looking at other verses like Habakkuk 2.14, you're seeing 
the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And so the filling of the, the, the earth of his glory is not just this kind of mist that comes down. Mm. It's the very people that he created in his image, imaging him wherever they are, putting his attributes on display wherever you are. And so obviously when mankind chose to sin, chose to put themselves on the throne, tr chose to make their identity of their own creation and not of who he's created us to be, mm. we lost our ability to replicate who he was. We got warped and polluted. And so we couldn't point back to him. And in fact, we didn't want to point back to him. And you even see in Romans 3, 11, where it talks about no one search, searches for God, no one's seeking him. There was nothing about me that wanted to point to him. Mm. But when Christ came as the rescue plan to put us back on track, he broke that power of the, and the curse of sin mm. that now allows us by the infilling of the spirit to get back on track with his original plan, which is to show the world what he's like. And you see that in Matthew 5, that the world will see him when they see us the way that we love each other mm. and that comes from us being reconnected in relationship with him to get back to our original purpose which was to glorify him mm. so then you talk about god's desire to be known can you expand on that for us a little bit so if if we are lost without that connection to him and he's designed us to be in connection with him it's therefore pretty expected that he wants to be found he wants to be known and um, he makes that very clear Jesus uh, talks about come to me who are weary and burdened I'll give you rest um, when he's talking to the woman at the well he's saying I, I am he who you're talking about that God is and Jesus is constantly putting a big neon sign over himself to say this is where you need to come mm. this is where you you need to be and i think there's a that prom that god is is a will be a self-promoter mm. he will talk about his glory he will draw us that's because he's he is the answer to everything that we need mm. if i was to be saying I'm the answer to everything you need it would seem arrogant and quite right it is arrogant and deluded mm. but when he is the answer to everything so imagine you've got you're with your doctor friend and you've gone for a meal out at a restaurant and someone starts choking and the panic kicks in and someone's screaming is there a doctor there is anyone a doctor and your friend is saying I don't really want to big myself up I am a doctor but we're all we're all special aren't we mm. you wouldn't be saying oh that guy's really humble you say that is neglect that's criminal what mm. you're doing you have the solution for what is needed you need to highlight that and that's what God's doing all the time come to me mm. I've got what you need and he's he's made himself clear and one of the particular verses that we've used a lot as a church is the uh, Revelations 3.20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And to, to live as if that's true, mm. that he's at the door, that God of all creation is waiting for me to answer the door. Mm. The one that put the stars in the sky, that designed light, is at my door waiting for me. Is If we got that revelation, it's completely overwhelming. Mm. But that he is still committed to his original plan that even a messed up person like me, he wants to work in partnership with for his overall uh, purpose mm. of filling the earth with his glory. Mm. And so when you talk about catching the sight of God, that could be quite confusing language for, for people. So what do you actually mean when you say catching the sight of God? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, with all, all language, there's always a, a limit to what we can communicate. What I mean, it, it's more than a head knowledge. There's something that becomes, it's like a total response. Mm. There's everything in me responds to, to him. Now, I can fill my head with knowledge. I wouldn't refer to that as a catcher's sight. A catcher's sight of God is something that elicits a response from me. So uh, the best example that I've often come across was when my my first child was born mm. just two weeks before that um, a friend of mine bought me a nasal aspirator which in layman's terms was a snot sucker you put one end on the child's nostril you put the other in your mouth and you suck the snot out um, I thought it was the grossest thing I'd ever heard of I yeah. found it offensive we're not parents so it does sound pretty disgusting yeah. I literally just saw a video of that just before you came like, <laughs> what a what? parent yeah I was like what are the chances <laughs> well I've used I've met parents that don't actually have the aspirator that just it's the mouth cupping over the nose and just sucking it straight into <laughs> <laughs> lovely um, so I received this gift and I was appalled offended I put it in the drawer <laughs> and forgot about it but two weeks later, my son was born and I'm watching him and I'm delighting in him and I can hear his breathing. Something's obstructing his nasal passage. I thought, oh, I've got something for this. I ran straight to that drawer, grabbed that thing and sucked that bad boy straight out of his <laughs> nose. What had happened? What was the difference between those two weeks? I had caught sight of my son. I'd seen him. And now something that was offensive became entirely appropriate mm. and I've, I've used this example when I've talked to people that said I, I don't really like this dancing in worship it just seems a bit odd to me mm. that's because you've not seen him yet if you see him it becomes wholly appropriate mm. um, so that's what we what I mean by a, a catching the sight and John John Piper says if, if all you have is a decision for Christ but not a delight mm. in Christ you don't have Christ and mm. We can hear that as a kind of condemning thing of, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm so bad, I've not actually got mm. him. But I see it as a positive thing. There's an invitation to delight in him. And uh, I believe that's the invitation where he stands at the door and knocking. Mm. It's because he wants mm. to show us who he truly is. Mm. I've literally heard you say this so many times now. But for just some reason now, I'm like, I think in my head I've always put that and when we first meet with God in like the box of like well he knocks on the door and then we meet with him and then he's not gonna knock again but maybe 
well, I definitely think that I have for some reason not thought about this, but maybe a lot of people in our church haven't thought about the fact that he's always knocking, like he's always there. It's not like he knocks the first time he meets me, he doesn't knock again, like you know me now, so I don't need to like continue speaking to you. No, he's always knocking. And I think when you use that analogy of like when you suck the snot out of your <laughs> son's nose, like, such beautiful imagery. <laughs> but like as your child grows and they become an adult, it doesn't stop you from wanting to do anything for them like and that's the same with God I think when we meet God we have maybe more of a childlike faith and we grow up and become become more mature in our faith and um our relationship with God deepens and changes but then sometimes we forget that God will still do anything like for us like he sent his son to die for us and he would do that again and it's the same way with your parents on earth, like your relationship changes with them. They're not gonna necessarily suck snot out of your nose at 22. <laughs> but like, if you're in a situation where you're in dire need, they're gonna do whatever it, whatever it takes. And I think, even though I heard you say that for months, for some reason I just realized that now, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I'm just thinking, so talking about like the idea of head knowledge, and I guess even as I think of me and Ella, our entry points have been very different. I've grown up in the church, Lifeline Church specifically, I'm 33. So um, been around church and specifically this church for a long time. Whereas Ella, you weren't raised in a Christian family and came to know Jesus for yourself at a later stage in your life. Um, sometimes a challenge I find is... it can be quite easy to just, I guess similar to what you are just saying, to just hear something and put it in, like, oh yeah, I know that. Or mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know, yeah, Jesus stands at the door and knocks mm-hmm. and yeah. But, and then and then there's times, like for me specifically, where I feel really anxious, let me say, for example, and suddenly the head knowledge isn't actually connecting with the real life feeling um and that can be quite tough um and i'm thinking we're quite involved with the young people in church i think some some of them would have an idea of head knowledge and would probably be able to give some sort of answer of like who jesus is what that means what he's done but there's still maybe a level of for some disconnect from how life looks on a day-to-day basis what would you say to to that yeah um i i think that the the delighting aspect that i don't want to be satisfied with someone just knowing about Mm. um i want it to be a, a a joy i want it to elicit a a full total response and that looks different for different people but I think that's that's what God has laid his life down for Mm. and and there's that that bit in Jeremiah 31 33 no longer will they teach their neighbors and say to one another know the Lord because they will all know me from the least to the greatest I think that's such a promise that my expectation is God has is standing at the young people's doors, uh, each of them, mm. and 
I don't want to be satisfied with just a well-behaved, God-smart, moralistic group of young people. Mm. I want them to to see Him because otherwise, you just you feel like you've got a police behaviour all of the time, and I think that's that's not what God's designed. Um, mm. So, what do I say? I, you you share out of your experience. You long, you pray for for that young person. Mm. It always it always feels so inadequate. You can't. It doesn't feel like enough. Mm. And that's where we got to come back to. Oh God, this is this is what you're up to. What you want to do, and it's not all on me and my ability to convince someone to do something. Mm. And again, I. I communicate so much better when I'm experiencing and enjoying him. Mm. When I've run out, when I'm running dry, I'm much more, you should do this, you should try harder. And I get this kind of image of a disappointed God that's mm. shaking his head and tutting. Mm. But that's because I've lost sight mm. of who he is and I need a fresh glimpse of who he is. Mm. In this we're talking about like catching us a glimpse of God catching the sight of God and also we're talking about catching the sight of the vision that God gave to John and that you decided this is the vision that I'm going to come under and I suppose like you both made that decision because you both grew up in the church but then you made that conscious decision um this is the vision that I believe I want to follow can you like remember what it specifically was that made you think oh yes this is this is what god has for me like this is the vision that i need to continue to pursue mm, good question it's a great question thanks you want to go first what it was for you um i think i think growing up in this church um <clears throat> there was a lot that I probably like took for granted in the sense of um, when I when, just when I think back to like my journey just coming to know God quite an anxious kid quite nervous my mum always spoke to me about Jesus being with me and I always liked the idea of that I, <laughs> I liked the idea of there being this I don't know holy person that would um, that would be with me and I remember for a long time the fact that I couldn't see him, especially when you're like seven or eight years old, was, was quite a confusing concept to come to. Um, but I get, I think particularly when I got to secondary school age, got to, you know, about 11, 12, and Jamie specifically started um, showing a real keen interest in me, which I didn't really get or like kind of appreciate at the age of like 11, 12, that someone... I don't know about you know six seven years older than me who could be doing probably a lot more of his time you know better things with his time just showing that interest so that looked like trips to mcdonald's um that looked like bible studies which were really significant but i think as i grew and jamie's just one example i'll just so loads of that it was such um such real practical love uh care and interest and investment which for me really um, 
represented what I came to see as God's heart. And then I remember my, you know, encountering God, which I think for me happened, it was at like the first weekend away that I went to as a, as a young person, which was a pretty traumatic thing for me, the reason why I go into, but I don't know, I just, something happened. I was filled with the spirit. Uh, and I think that was the start of a journey of, um, I actually realizing that that Jesus that my mum had been telling me about my whole life oh my gosh he is with me he cares about me what I do who I am who I'm friends with and then I was also seeing that um, with people such as Jamie and others around me really just I guess loving me um, in the way I believe that God has called us to um, yeah and, and then as that, that relationship with God and, and with others has developed and I've yeah heard from him and been, had direction for him and he's given me compassion for others and um, but I've also seen how really loving people like there's it's quite an easy thing to say like there's something really quite simple in this you know like love God and love others um, a lot of sacrifice and <laughs> and pain that can come along with that and I haven't always been the easiest to love and you know I guess um, yeah just seeing how John and, and Jamie and, and others have really sacrificially loved it's yeah it's over time that's just where I've known that God has me to be mm. probably a bit of a waffle but yeah, gave you enough time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think growing up with, growing up in the house that I did with, my dad was the leader of the church, gave me opportunity to kind of watch and experience what was on his heart and how that was being expressed. And I remember when he, there was a point where he invited me to start doing uh, doing a Bible study with him mm. and then he invited me to help him start preparing for a Sunday morning message and then as I was developing my own skills and communication um, and particularly practicing within the youth setting there was more I was able to contribute but that was matched with a growing heart for the things that he described and begin to say so what why are you bringing this message what do you see and he'd talk about where what he felt God had for us as a church and then I'd see that echoed in conversations that he was having people that were around our dinner table listening to those conversations and then getting older again um, would go on trips with him and watch that heart being expressed and there's something that I saw that just struck a chord with what I was personally experiencing in my relationship with God. Mm. I thought, this is what I want to be be part of. And um, I found an opportunity within this sphere to, to express what God's showing me. And I feel supported in that the pursuit of God, the understanding and the, the things that particularly my dad or other leaders would have talked about 
as these values mm. you begin to experience them see them like yes they are real and they they are the way God's designed us to live and it in those times where you feel empowered to live the very things so if we're talking about acceptance that yeah you can follow the theory but then there's a point where that person that's really annoying that suddenly there's something in you that wants to spend time with them wants mm. to be around them wants to um and and those things that would be the barrier before they become they're not so insurmountable anymore mm. as nick says sometimes there's still a cost but there's a love that mobilizes you and carries you over what is what is difficult mm. can you Chat to us a little bit about deconstructing and reconstructing. Yeah. So we actually um, had a had a crack at a series which we called the uh, the normal radical, where we looked back over. I think it must have been about thirty five years of the existence of Lifeline Church, and we we wanted to see that this the next generation and the people that God was joining to us were able to not just appreciate the practical outworking of the values but the values themselves because there's always a danger you can get a bit stuck in this is the way that things are done here and you forget the why what is the why behind that mm. and um I've often heard the story about the 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 mother who was putting a a, a roast uh, was about to roast a chicken in the oven. She cut the legs off and put the legs on top of the bird and pushed it into the oven. And her daughter said, "Mummy, what? Why are you doing that?" And she stopped and thought, like, "Oh, I don't know. I've just always seen my mother do that." And so she called the grandmother and said why did we cut the legs off and put them on top of the, the bird? And she said, I used to do that because I had a small oven. Why the heck are you doing it? <laughs> and there, there is a, it was a very relevant thing to do when you had a small oven. Mm. When you've got a larger oven, it's no longer relevant. Mm. Mm. The principle of you should kick, cook a chicken before you eat it is still carried through, but how you put the bird in the oven mm. needs to be changed. And, so for, for us, as, a gener as we've gone through technological changes, cultural changes, there have been ways that we need to update our expression of our values to make them relevant today because expressing a value in an irrelevant way actually undermines the very value itself. Mm. And so it has to keep changing. And so using the phrasing of, we're looking to deconstruct current expressions of our values so that we can get back to what what is the value that we've got here and now how does that look in a new setting so for instance during covid well we believe in community and we've always expressed a close community as being in each other's houses well we're in a point now where we we couldn't easily do that so what is an appropriate way to express that value so we've got to realize okay the way that we have done it might not be relevant right now so how do we still 
communicate this value. So we love, we want to get back to the love of the thing that God has shown us because it's in his very nature. Mm. Um, find a way of, of doing that. Cool. So just as we come to conclude, could you maybe talk to us a little bit about Holy Spirit transformation over behaviour modification? And then we'll wrap this one up. Okay. So if we believe that God is at the door knocking, that we can catch a sight of him, we believe that two things happen. First of all, I have a desire for him to be with him, to be like him and for others to know him. But not only do I have a desire, not only do I want, I'm actually able to become more like him. And it talks about in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that whole idea, as we behold him, as we look on him, we become more like him from one degree of glory to the next. And that's almost the, the magic that happens. We can't quite describe. And that's what we want we want to be pursuing and in leadership that's what we want to be watching out for and even in just friendships that's what I want for my friends is not that we do a superficial behavior modification but we actually have Holy Spirit transformation where that thing that he does miraculously in me is the thing that begins to work out and it it sometimes it it's not simple if you were just kind of measuring behavior and challenging behavior it can any it can be quite an quite an objective thing anyone can see a behavior yeah. and approve or disapprove or challenge but we want to get to what's going on underneath for a person and how do we bring that person to an experience a sight of him that causes the the, the heart to begin to change mm. cool all right, what we'll do, we'll, I think let's wrap it there. Um, that was really, really, really helpful, Jamie. Thank you. And we will be back for the next installment. Thanks for listening to this eight-episode podcast exploring how to make a healthy transition to the next generation as a church whose heart is set on pilgrimage. We invite you to listen to the full series, but also to get in touch if you have questions so that iron can sharpen iron as we bring our collective wisdom together. Our contact details can be found in the show notes. For further teaching, do tap into the Lifeline Church Sunday Teaching Podcast and watch out for our conversational podcast on questions arising from the Book of Kings due to be released in July 2023.